In the following episode of Westworld FM, we discuss some speculation about future plot lines that may alter your perception of the show and affect the way that you watch it. I can't call it a spoiler because in the end it may not be true, but if you do not wish to hear any speculation about the show, please skip this episode, and in the following episodes we will relegate this discussion to the end of the episode in its own section that is clearly marked and will allow you to exit before hearing it. So, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy the show. I hope you listen to this one because I think it's great. And uh, if not, we will see you next week. Welcome to Westworld FM, a podcast about HBO's Westworld. My name is Alex. And my name is Nick. Today we're going to be discussing episode two of the show titled Chestnut. While we'll not be discussing any next time on information on the show, we will be spoiling the whole first and second episode of the series. So if you have not watched either of those yet, please hit pause here and go check out the episode before listening to the rest of this podcast. But you can find more of our episodes uh, at westworld.fm. We're also Westworld FM on Twitter, and you can send feedback to westworldfm at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts on HBO's Westworld so we can read them on air. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. Uh, so, episode two, Chestnut. We can dive right in here. Um, the episode starts off where we see Dolores laying in bed, but she gets awoken by a voice. Uh, kind of sounds like several voices put together. I don't know if you got that uh, vibe to it, but I also felt like I kind of heard a little bit of uh, her fa- uh, Peter Abernathy, Lewis Hertham's Peter Abernathy, yes. uh, in there too. Uh, she walks outside and stares into the night as the voice asks, "Do you remember?" And then we cut to a futuristic train ride where we see Jimmy Simpson as William uh, waking up on the train with his friend Logan, played by Ben Barnes. Uh, Logan's been to the park many times, and this is William's first visit to Westworld. And uh, we see the how the guests enter into the facility. They dock uh, this their futuristic train docks at this uh, command center, and then uh, we see the guest entrance. William gets greeted by a host who asks him a panel of questions to ensure he's in good health. And he says, "I thought that you couldn't get hurt here." And she ends up responding, uh, "Only the only the right amount," which was her joke. Kind of, maybe, if it was a joke. Maybe <laughs> it's not. Um, and then we see a different-looking Westworld logo in the entrance lobby. Did you notice that? I did not. It looks like a backslash and a V <laughs> instead of the backslash W forward slash. Right. Which many people... Now, here here's some speculation from the interwebs. Many people are theorizing that it's an older Westworld logo. The V is older. Yes. And not the W. And that Jimmy Simpson or William and Logan are in the past. Hmm. Whereas everything else that we've seen so far is potentially in the future. Interesting. The main through line of this postulation is that potentially William is the man in black. Ah. Yeah. So maybe, maybe William is the 30 years ago. When the man in black first went to the place. That's super cool. So we can talk about that more. I think there's a counter example in the episode that may prove this wrong, but it's really hard because of how wishy-washy they could be being with the timeline. Of course. But it seems like a Nolan thing to do, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. It's got, it's got some Nolan on it. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, yeah. So go back and check that, that uh, logo if you want to see it. Uh, I don't know if we've seen the backslash W forward slash in episode one or anywhere. I'm not certain. I wanted to go back and check that, but I haven't had the time to do it yet. Uh, but William's host takes him to go gear up and dress up. Uh, there's some pretty good conversation with them as he's kind of sussing out whether or not she's a host and what that means to him and how she, how he should act around her and what, what uh, he should do. And then, uh, he says, well, what do most people do? And she says, you don't have to worry about what most people would do. And that's the first kind of act break mm-hmm. in the episode. Uh, what did you think about the world building of here's how you get into Westworld? I think it's cool that they carried over that device from the movie. The two guys coming together that are friends, quote unquote, or seem like they're co-workers at least. Yeah. Uh, one who has been there before and is comfortable with it and familiar with it is a little more 
overtly masculine, a little more aggressive with the whole situation, and the other one who's kind of a bystander who seems like he's recovering from some some failed relationship or he's he's got that on his mind yeah so i like that they carry that over from the movie because initially i thought they weren't going to carry anything over from the movie but the premise and i think having those two uh counterparts kind of opposite each other is kind of fun to watch and it's a good way for you to get further acquainted with westworld yeah i think that's really cool explore kind of the both sides of the coin yeah exactly westworld I like the casting of Jimmy Simpson a lot. I think yeah. he's really cool. I think he's really funny. I only know him from like comedic work for the most part. Uh, whenever I see him, I can only think of the McPoyles from yes. It's Always yeah. Sunny. And But I love him. I like him a lot. So it's kind of hard for me. Like It takes me a minute to forget that he's in It's Always Sunny. Yeah. But. He's, uh, he's really good in this so far. He's very... He seems like he's in kind of an amused daze the whole time. Like he's just kind of taking it in and isn't really sure if he wants to buy in or not. Yeah. And uh, whereas Ben Barnes is just the sleaziest. <laughs> <laughs> I think in the past you've said that you're not a huge fan of Ben Barnes. Is that true? I don't think so. Because I don't think I've seen You don't think you have anything. An, you don't have enough <laughs> of a of enough, enough stuff to have an right opinion now, on him. Because he, I, the only thing I know him as, he was Prince Caspian. In right, that's yet. the only that's the only credit I know, and I I haven't seen that movie. Because I, when I was watching this, I was like, I wonder how he feels about Ben Barnes. I think I think it's a very. Uh, oh, he's in. Okay, so he's in Stardust. I didn't know that. Okay. I haven't seen Seventh Son. I have seen Stardust. I just don't remember him for some reason. Yeah, it's been a while since I watched Stardust, which is a great movie. It is a great but. movie. Oh, he's just the young version of uh, Charlie Cox. Okay. Yeah, so I, I did you did you like Ben Barnes in this? Oh, I no, guess wait, he's is not the question. Charlie Cox. He's somebody related to Charlie Cox. Doesn't matter. Uh, he's also in The Punisher, apparently, the Netflix Punisher. Oh, cool. That's neat. Uh, I'm sorry. What was your question? So uh, I guess what matters is, did you like Ben Barnes in this role? Yeah, he was. Uh, he's good. He's he's kind of. He did a good job being an American, I think, which was kind of surprising because yeah. I know he's English and he. Uh, he did a great job with that. He's definitely comes across as the kind of slick. Uh, he, you know, what's really funny. He so in the in the first one, it's um, oh god, I'm totally blanking on his name. Uh, it's uh, Brolin, James Brolin, yeah, who plays in that movie, role essentially. Yep. And well, the whole time I was watching that movie, I was like thinking he it seemed like a dead ringer for Christian Bale to me. Like they look so yeah. similar. And in this movie, I was watching this and I was thinking, man, Christian Bale would play that part so well that Ben Barnes is playing because he reminds me a lot of Patrick Bateman yeah, and like his kind of attitude and, and aggression. And so it's just kind of funny that Christian Bale, in my mind, apparently is meant to play this this role yeah. in Westworld. I think Ben Barnes as Logan is a little more sleazy than James Brolin has ever seen to be in the yeah, movie. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, he's way he's way more turned up. For yeah. like he's he's much more of like the 2016 version, I think, of what, yeah. what, what we would picture. <laughs> yeah. Because James Brolin in the original isn't really he's not really being bad. He's no. doing like some morally gray things at, at worst. He's really just kind of enjoying himself Yeah, and he's not doing anything terribly like offensive. Yeah. And plus the Westworld, uh, in the original, they're way more robotic. And it's yeah, just, exactly. It's not as scary as when somebody just starts like hurting people yeah. and, as in this version, it's really horrifying. But yeah, he just treats it with such, with such disregard mm-hmm. and like to him, it's all just frivolity. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's funny because, like, like I was saying about Jimmy Simpson, he's very kind of detached from yep. from the situation most of the time. Even when uh, Logan gets very violent, he, uh, Jimmy yeah. Simpson reacts, but it's not this strong reaction. It's just kind of like, whoa. He hasn't fully immersed himself in the world yet. Right. He hasn't accepted. He, he has not suspended his disbelief. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I guess would be... He has not yet been seduced by Westworld, which is, it seduces everyone. Yes, as, according to Logan. Yeah. All right, uh, so next up, we've got Elsie going over the footage of Peter Abernathy, uh, flummoxed by the idea that he isn't immediately, he doesn't immediately crash upon finding the photo as uh, other hosts have been affected by this bug that they've found, have done. So she realizes that he's kind of, he takes the photo and he gets home and he's pondering it the whole time. Which is weird compared. It's something they haven't seen before. And he thinks about it all night, right? They say he's just he, kind of looking at it. Yeah. Over the course of an entire night. Yeah, and Bernard is kind of very dismissive of it, as as we kind of see, and she kind of calls him on protecting Ford because I don't think that 
he uh, last week explained to everybody that, oh, this was code that Ford wrote. He right. just kind of was like, oh, there's an error in the update. Um, Elsie theorizes that uh, Peter Abernathy's failure could be contagious, so to speak, and she wants to pull the host that he's been in contact with, uh, but Bernard kind of pull, uh, shoots that issue down. We see Dolores come to town and start doing her routine, but she stops in the street when the man's voice says, remember, and she sees the bloodbath and the shootout from last week, I think. I think so. Yeah. And uh, and we see a wolf in the shot. I don't know if there's anything that that means as of yet, but Maeve pulls her out of it, and uh, Dolores tells her, these violent delights have violent ends, which kind of makes Maeve's head turn, and she begins to kind of mull the phrase over. Uh, any thoughts about that section of the show? I think it's pretty straightforward, and 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 that I think that's kind of weird that or cool that the that string of that sentence is kind of the contagion. Yeah. Like, why is that? Is that is that like a is that a phrase that everybody has said at one point or another, or like how how or why is that activating these people and being able to remember their former code? I think that's uh, interesting. So hopefully we learn a little more about that in the future. Um, so then we see William come out of the dressing room in a very conservative kind of uh, attire. He picks a white hat and heads through the door that leads him onto a train into Westworld where he meets up with Logan. What did you think of that little sequence, just he- heading heading through a door and then magically on the train into Westworld? That was very cool. Yeah. I'm sure you thought of Tron. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's very, like, yeah. I thought of you thinking of Tron before <laughs> I had any original thoughts. Like that shot of him walking down the hallway. Absolutely. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah. oh, Alex is going to love this. That's the way, like, it certainly feels as though he gets all geared up and then he just walks into the hallway, into the light, and boom. Yeah, that was really neat. Yeah. Cool, cool transition, and I... I don't understand exactly what happened. And I think Logan even has a line to that effect of like, don't try to figure it out. Yeah. He he says like something to the line. He says, uh, ah, shit. I'm going to mess it up now. You kind of just said a statement in regards to kind of like, don't, don't try and don't pick it apart. Don't try to figure it out. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And this is where he says this place seduces everyone eventually, which, uh, was a nice, it's cool. Nice thing. Um, so then we cut to a sheriff hanging Donald Pardue, uh, or that's what his name is right now anyway, at the gallows where the man in black shows up and proceeds to kill everybody and then take Donald to find the entrance to the maze, as he calls it. Uh, my next note just says in all caps, Ed Harris hamming it up. And then I have the quote, how about I tell my men to dig that grave a couple feet deeper? And then he says, well, it's going to be awful crowded in there for all of you. <laughs> I was like, oh. Yeah, we got some real good old Westy yeah dialogue absolutely. out of this scene, which is good. We, like like I said in the pilot episode, we got we got a lot of that out of James Marsden. Yep, when he's when he's talking to Dolores, now we got a lot of that good old old Western kind of banter. Yeah, and now it's Ed Harris's turn to shoot some of that. Yep. So the man in black kills everybody, and then he takes Donald, but he calls him Lawrence, which I assume is one of his former programs or mm-hmm. something like that. And uh, shows him this maze symbol that's on Kissy's scalp. And he thinks Donald knows more about it, but Donald just denies it. So he drags him along somewhere. We don't know where. Um, Clifton Collins Jr. plays yes. Donald. Very awesome. Slash Lawrence. Slash Lawrence, yeah. If, if you don't know Clifton Collins Jr., you do know Clifton Collins Jr. So go look up his IMDb page and see all of the credits that he's got because mm-hmm. he's awesome. Uh, and then, uh, any reason to stop? Do you, you can feel free to stop me when I hit something that you want to talk about if I don't stop. Oh, I think the gunfight part was really cool. I like that we didn't really get to see. Yeah. You see one person get shot in the background out of focus. It's a cool way to do it. I like that we've kind of established that, uh, the man in black is, uh, actually kind of a force to be reckoned with like yeah. in a real life gun battle. He can yeah. do some damage, which is kind of neat. He's in the... When you th- when you watch it initially, and you're kind of like, oh, the 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 hosts are helpless. Like, mm-hmm. of course, anybody would best them in a fight. But when you're watching it uh, now, with kind of the knowledge you have of the Man in Black in mind, you're like, wow, he can actually like shoot. Yeah. When he just kills Teddy Flood in the first episode, it's kind of like because it's he- not like he's the dude just coming off of the street and his accuracy is all over the place, and he's like. Yeah, wasting he, a ton he's of He's not ammo. the guy from the first episode who killed Rodrigo Santoro. <laughs> yeah. Point blank. No, he's uh he's he's got some 
Got some chops. Yes, exactly. Even more so later in the episode. Yeah. We find out. Uh, and then next we cut to the player piano, as we noted last week. Potentially playing Radiohead's No Surprises. I, I couldn't pick it out of there, but Nick, you, you... I would say that was definitely the song. I don't remember what scene it was in. Okay. So there's two player piano shots in here. It could be yeah. one or the other. I'm not sure which. If you guys listening have any idea what any of the songs are and we don't know, please write in and let or us know. Or what they might mean. Yeah, that I too. haven't even begun to dissect yeah. what No Surprises might be doing in the episode. Yeah. I, I'm still kind of of the mind that maybe these are just little musical things hidden in Westworld to remind people of like, oh, hey, you're in old timey land. But it seems weird that they would rip people out of the narrative like that. Yeah, plus those are pretty interesting song choices. Yeah. They're both... They're both songs with some depth to them. And Black Hole Sun I could maybe see because that's like a song that's kind of on the radio and yeah. it was big in like the 90s. But no 40-ish. surprises is a really strange it's not the choice. It's not the Radiohead song you would pick, right? right? Yeah. So and like Creep would probably be the one if and, they and wanted to I wouldn't be shocked that. if it showed up at some point. Potentially, yeah. Uh, and then we see Maeve having trouble kind of closing the deal, quote unquote, as she starts remembering some kind of brutal scenario where her scalp is about to be cut off. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maeve gets pulled out for diagnostic because she's pulling low numbers and uh, the narrative people are just kind of like well just make her more aggressive put her up 10% so maybe she can start closing the deal more otherwise she's going to get decommissioned Uh, and then we cut to Ford walking up to Bernard uh, and they kind of talk a little bit about uh, about what happened and and how uh, Elsie has a theory about he doesn't name Elsie, but Bernard brings up the idea that uh, that potentially Peter has been able to process something differently than the other uh, hosts. Um, and Ford just kind of is intrigued by the idea, but, you know. Um, and then we cut to Logan and William getting off of the train. Uh, and they get a nice little, you know, you see jimmy simpson being nice and everything as he knocks into the guy and then logan's like no f you blah blah blah, you know that kind of thing the giant guy to the yeah to the giant guy who (laughs) he's he's like eight feet tall uh but then also something to note is that we see a bunch of union soldiers where the sheriff was last week talking about hector and trying to take down hector Mm mm-hmm so that to me is maybe another clue that we could be in a different time period, but it could also be, oh, the Hector storyline's done for now. Yeah. So it could go either way in terms of the, the interwebs theory of uh, of Jimmy being in the past, or William, I guess is his name in the show. Um, so then Logan explains to William that basically all the people that he's seeing have some kind of narrative prompt to them. The old guy who falls over in the street, you can help him out and he'll tell you where there's buried treasure mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, just any any of the people around have some kind of storyline connected. Everyone's to them. an NPC with some sort of fetch quest for you. Exactly. You but Logan is kind of completely uninterested in that aspect of it. So I think he wants to free roam. Yeah, he <laughs> wants to free roam in, in, in Red Dead pretty much. Um so then we see Dolores catching her reflection in the window and staring. This is the part to me that almost disproves the past theory. Because we see Jimmy and Logan walk into the saloon as it as the camera focuses on Dolores. So I don't know if the Dolores stuff is happening in the past too somehow. It kind of works out because the man in black talks. or At some point it's talked about how there was an incident 30 years ago potentially somewhere that could mean that Dolores was maybe a part of that, but I don't know. It's, that's a, it's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around it at the moment as to whether or not they've covered their tracks in respect to this theory or if it's actually, if there's any ground to the theory. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. It might be one of those things where it's, it's, it's total cool, red herring. It's cooler from, than, uh, yeah, than the truth actually. Exactly. Which is a line that is brought up in this episode. Because Ed Harris later on, the man in black, says, outside, you know, it's all just what it's all jumbled it's together. Chaos. But in here, every detail has meaning. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of funny that <laughs> we're talking about an internet. It's true. It's like a snake eating its own tail. No, it's true. I mean, yeah, every, every everything is is designed. Yeah. Yeah. Everything has, has evidence of design and has to be there for a reason. Yeah. In a way, I mean, it, it, that is the way 
TV and movies are. Uh, everything you're seeing, you're seeing for a reason. It doesn't yeah. just get shot by happenstance, especially a show that's shot on a set or like a stage that's been built. Yeah. So no, that is that is interesting. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um. So then we cut to Bernard and Dolores having a little bit of a private chat. Uh, this is in like some kind of back room or something in the maintenance wing. Um. Which suggests to me that the narration at the beginning of the previous episode must have been this little chat where Bernard is telling Dolores how yeah. Westworld works. Here, here is kind of where I think we're being played with chronologically. Okay, I think the scene at the beginning of this episode and the scene at the beginning of the first episode. I'm trying to remember. I think the first episode started with something that was a little bit of a shuffle, or it didn't. It didn't seem to have context. I'm trying to remember now what it was, but anyway. I think we might be seeing pieces of Dolores' story that don't take place with anything else chronologically. And uh, especially in regards to, to Bernard. I think there's a lot more to Bernard than... Yeah, so we're kind of seeing that maybe Bernard has ulterior motives going on here. He's seeding something Yes. into... Potentially, he's the reason that these things are happening. Like these crazy happenstances where updates are... Yeah, this episode seems to kind of point the show's finger at Bernard a little bit and I don't know whether or not that's that could a be a red hair. herring yeah exactly it feels kind of like it's too early to show that hand yeah but who's who's to say that it's that it's not the right time I'm not really sure yeah it definitely seemed there's definitely something going on especially because he's erasing logs and that sort of thing yeah he's making he's, he's trying to cover his tracks so that nobody else knows what's going on yeah but uh, Bernard runs uh, uh, I know so Bernard has been having these little talks. This is perhaps not the first one. Maybe it's the second one. Who knows? There may have been more. But he wants to know this time is if anybody has updated her core heuristics, which um, core heuristics means like a decision-making model. It's like a decision tree almost. Okay. So I don't know exactly who would have done that or why he's asking her. Uh, may, maybe this is a may, maybe what he's doing here is a deeper dive than what Ashley did, uh, Luke Hemsworth did in the previous episode. Yeah, we were talking about how in the pilot we were surprised that he was able to sit down and run through the same sort of interrogation, yeah, or diagnostic with her uh, that the programming team was considering. He seems like he's sort of a security, uh type of person i still haven't really gotten a, a, a hold on what his role is there yeah and and that i think to me that could have been just the fact that they probably needed all hands on deck because they took 10 percent of the people out of the population and they wanted to get them back out there as soon as possible well, but yeah the fact that he was trained to do that yeah and, and that's given true. clearance i thought was interesting but definitely with bernard he would know what questions to ask and what questions he can ask like you wouldn't just sit if you didn't think to to quiz this because they they all the employees view them as machines for sure yeah and so they would just know like okay here i know that these are my 200 different options of question i can ask them but bernard might know you know a lot more than they do in terms of the, the, sorts, the sorts of things he can ask them and uh certain key phrases and that sort of thing that he can go through i wonder i wonder with a machine as big as westworld seems to be with a with a product so unique and so volatile i wonder who is the countermeasure against Bernard? It yeah. Seems like there would what, be something what are the checks and balances of, exactly. the, of the society? Who's there? there? Who is there if Bernard quits yeah. or Bernard goes off the reservation? Like, who is there to? It's it, to me the way that we're given it right now. It seems that Ford is above Bernard. I think Ford is Ford is probably on the shareholders board, but he's also like the lead programmer or senior programmer. Whereas Bernard's probably like a lead programmer, and then Elsie is probably like a like a junior programmer or something like that. Well, Ford strikes me as just kind of the the Bruce Wayne CEO, like the 51% shareholder who he has the say. He can overturn or veto something if he wants to. Yeah. And, and some things need his approval. We know storylines need his approval, that sort of thing. So he's, I think he's, he's definitely beyond just the programming team. Yeah. I think Bernard might be the lead programmer, and Ford just has the ability to tell him, like, no, I don't want you to do that. But well, he, but Ford also did some programming. Oh, yeah. That, I, that's definitely, I would say, where his... Where his what uh, he actually cares where, about Where he business. started, like where yeah. he came up. When he was a young man, he was probably... A programmer with yeah. like an idea, okay. Because we know this is his creation. Mm -hmm. 
but we also know that he's he's not necessarily a writer, but he knows what people want and what they don't want. So yeah. I think he's almost kind of like almost kind of like the Steve Jobs in a way, or the uh, um, I'm blanking on Lee Pace's name from Halt and Catch Fire, but he. Joe McMillan. Joe McMillan, yeah. He, <laughs> so you Could you hear the gears turning in my head? Like, like uh, I was surprised by the blank look on your face as you were trying to figure out what it was. He, I had to he shut down all other systems in yeah. order to divert power. He had to reroute power. Yeah. He can't necessarily write code, but he knows he knows how to sell something. Yeah. So the, the, yeah. He, he's an interesting mix of like several different skills, but not all of the skills. Yeah. I like Ford a lot. I do too. Uh, every scene with him, I really I have enjoyed a lot so far. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what's going on with Bernard here. I don't think we're supposed to know yet either though. So we can talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, back to the player piano. We see Maeve hitting on a girl this time, but the girl rebuffs her and Maeve, uh, ends up meeting Clementine at the bar and confronts her about her nightmares that she's been having. Uh, Maeve actually ends up happening more, having more flashbacks and Teddy kind of sees her and asks if she's okay. But uh, security and operations notice that she's having some kind of issue and they mark her for decommissioning. And then they make Clementine take over her role. Um, Bernard meets with Cullen to explain that they're ready for uh, the new narrative, but also explain that their department still is, explain why their department is still asking questions about uh, Peter Abernathy. Because uh, Elsie was looking at the video still, and he just kind of tells her, "Well, we're supposed to be the ones asking questions." So he kind of covers for Elsie there a little bit, and then uh, we cut to Logan and William eating in public. And uh, William's like, "How do you tell the difference between hosts and guests?" And Logan just pulls up his gun and is ready to shoot somebody, uh, but William stops him. But then the older man who fell over in the street earlier with the treasure uh, quest. <laughs> Uh, notices William and walks up to him and starts to give him the quest, but then Logan just stabs him in the hand and uh, and basically just decides, no, we're not doing this. And then he goes, he's worked up another appetite, and then he goes with sleeps with three women and one man. So he's doing it big, I guess. <laughs> he's busy. <laughs> Getting his money's worth. Yep. Uh, but Clementine is with William, and William turns her down. Uh, because he has a true love at home is what he says. Uh, so we talked a little bit he before says, the podcast. He says he, uh, he says he has someone at home he's, does he say waiting for? Or I have someone at home waiting for me? Something like that. Something and along she's those she's the lines. one who calls it true love. Uh, yeah, that's true. She says that's true. true love is worth waiting for. That's what she says. Yeah. So maybe it's not love. Yeah, he seems to... It's 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 definitely a more complex relationship than oh my wife's at home. Yeah, well, and that's it. It to me, it reads almost as if like oh, I'm just getting out of a relationship kind of thing, or oh or my I'm, wife died, or oh like you know like or who I'm, knows? I'm pining for someone who doesn't know. Yeah, which or I think it's kind of how Clementine takes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess I'm being a little heteronormative because it may not be a wife, but yes, who knows? Um, anything to talk about here yet? No, I think I, I I had mentioned this a little bit before the show, but a, a very distilled version of what I was saying. I think that there's a lot more to the Jimmy Simpson character in terms of this relationship than meets the eye. I think that there's I think there's something more going on there because they carried they did carry that that aspect of that character over from the film, but it was very cut and dry. And yeah, it was really it was like, very, oh, you're getting over the divorce. Yeah, exactly. and she got everything, and blah blah blah. And, yeah, and he's kind of like, oh, I miss her still, that sort of situation. Yeah. And Jimmy Simpson, it's very... Uh, Logan doesn't even bring it up. And he may yeah. not even know yeah. because she says, sounds like your friend is having fun. And he says, it's not the word I would use. And she says, what fun? And he says, no friend. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. whether it's whether it's just that they, they are, you know, buddies from like youth or whatever from school, but they're not, they're just not really, he's not really that good of a friend to him or if they're more co-workers because i think he brings up something about work and he says you said you didn't want to talk about work here and he says who so, says this isn't work yeah is what logan says to that so yeah who knows i wonder too what exactly if there's a little more to that to, to me almost it. brings up the idea that it could be because there were ru- rumors or ideas or thoughts that the man in black was some kind of corporate espionage trying yeah to we talked out. about that last episode yeah so maybe logan and williams work is that they're trying to 
build up another kind of attraction park like this or something like that. But that's wild <laughs> yeah, speculation. Doing research. Yeah. <laughs> Quote unquote research. But yeah. Uh, so now we open up in the body shop, I think is what they refer to it in the show. And Sizemore, the head of narrative department is down there unhappy with the native American lead that they've built for him. And he breaks its nose, uh, cause he thinks it looks like a penis between his eyes. Uh, but Cullen sees this outburst and informs him that his savage horde request for 50 or more hosts has been declined and he will only get 20 of them for his new storyline that he's building. Um, and he's bummed out at that. Or he, the way that he discusses it, he's just kind of like, what do they care? It's money is no object to these people, but clearly they do care. They don't want him to run wild with this thing. Or they're using them for something else. That's true too. It's kind of what I, I took it as like okay. the resources need to be allocated to something different. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and then we see Ford in some kind of utility tunnel taking an elevator up into Westworld. And he meets a young boy. Uh, you probably, you, you're better at remembering dialogue than me. So you might remember some of the more poignant stuff between them. But the the, the, the thing, the vibe that I got was that this boy was maybe based on a young version of Ford. Yeah. Because Ford says something that his father used to say. It, and seems, the boy, it seems so obvious that it's almost... The boy's kind of like, well, my my father says that too. Yeah, and he's dressed in like older kind of schoolboy Eng- English. Yeah. What, what we think of when we picture like an English schoolboy kind of thing. He's wearing like yep. little shorts that are kind of like overalls. And he seems like it seems like you would have caught him running around the corner with like a little kite or like playing with like a loop yeah. thing. Yeah, hoop kick, and stick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or playing kick the can in the <laughs> sand by himself. Which is funny. It's funny. Uh, I don't. We just did uh, a kind of retro review or keyframes, as we call it, as a Fight Club on the Midwest Film Nerds, and I don't know if I would have cued into the fact that the fathers they share their fathers said the same thing if I hadn't just watched Fight Club because there's there's a similar clue in that movie as well. Uh, So I thought that that was kind of fun. But yeah, so then we cut. Uh, did you want to say anything else about that scene? Great dialogue. We haven't gotten to the magic part yet. But no, no, no. I do think it is cool, though. I think, like I said, as soon as he comes up and then the little boy, he's kind of in the desert, and the little boy's just there. I was like, well, that's him, like right, yeah. off, right off the bat. And that's what yeah. I mean. Like it seems, it seems so on the nose that it could easily be something else. And they're kind of like, yeah, you dummies, you thought that was yeah a young version of him, but it it could be could be his son yeah it might just mean that ford puts dialogue and and memories and things in these people or like no i think that that boy's there for a reason for sure because ford's access tunnel can't come out anywhere remotely near the central populated area of westworld yeah i think that tunnel is what the man in black is trying to find he's trying to find the way that entrance to the to the commands interesting stage whatever Hmm. we want to call it uh and that boy seems like he was placed there to pretty much like only, a security protocol. Well, either that or only for Ford to just talk to. Yeah. And kind of either remember his his youth or his son. It may be his son that, that died. And maybe the father he's referring to is himself. And he kind of thought of his. Yeah. Ford definitely is the type of guy who with near infinite wealth and time and programming knowledge, he would build weird little things to amuse himself. He's almost like like Sebastian from uh, Blade Runner where he's making little toy friends to keep himself company because he's lonely yeah sort of thing i thought that was i think it's really cool it's a cool it's a very cool no matter what it is it's it's definitely interesting yeah and makes me still want to learn more about ford and his past absolutely uh and then we cut to the man in black bringing donald slash lawrence to lawrence's hometown and uh basically showing oh hey you didn't tell me that you had a family i'm here in this town where all of your family is and lawrence's wife and daughter run up to him uh and then the as i referenced earlier the man in black says something along the lines of the real world is chaos an accident and westworld every detail adds up to something is what he says which i think is interesting and and a cool way to look at why he's so intrigued by the game quote unquote um and then the man in black kind of threateningly starts placing bullets on the table uh he can't get any of this maze information out of donald or lawrence um and then we cut to a shot of security or ashley and his right hand man or somebody uh an underling of some sort brings this man in black to ashley's attention being like oh he's killed a lot of people already should we slow him down is what he says and then Ashley says, that gentleman gets whatever he wants. Uh, 
So I feel like that line's very telling, but I don't know what it tells me yet. It tells me that they're aware of this man in black, that he's important to somebody involved in the park, like in the command center or something along the lines of that. I don't really know what it means yet, but it seems like it's some kind of flare of importance. That's funny. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't take it that way at all. No, no. I thought he just, cause I don't, I don't remember him actually even really looking too much at the monitor. I think he, I thought it was just more of a blanket statement of the people who come here, get whatever they want. Really? They can do whatever they want. Yeah. Cause I, I didn't notice him really take a good look at it and be like, Oh, hmm. No, like he, he seemed very throwaway. Like the guy was coming to him with the iPad and be like, Hey, should we stop this guy? And he seemed like he was on his way to go do something else. And was just kind of like, no, that that gentleman gets whatever he wants because like he's a guest. He's he pays to be here. Huh. And I I think that it was at least the way I took it. I think it was almost kind of set up that way for a reason. Like Ashley should have taken note of who that guy is, but didn't because he didn't really look. Wow. Like that might come around later because like he should have stopped and looked at a, either a where he is because he's near the outskirts, and we find out later uh, from another line. Or no, I'm sorry. It was when the host first greets uh, William, and she says, "The further you go." the more intense it gets. Yep. And I think that maybe had Ashley looked and seen where this guy was, because it was a it seems like a location that's a little more remote. And if he had either noticed who it was or where it was, he may have paid a little more attention. I mean if the man in black was somebody who was not supposed to be there, I feel like he would have been caught coming in. Something some <laughs> other system would have Yeah, exactly. Like some him. sort of screening system would have caught him on his way in. Yeah. But uh it it could have it could very well have been like, you know, like a card like a platinum diamond card holder or something, a casino where they let yeah, you do super rewards. Yeah, exactly. Like they say, oh, that 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 guy, we know him. He's fine. Yeah, could have been that, or I just kind of took it as Ashley being like he. He seemed like he was more focused on something else he had going on. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It was just the way that he phrased it because I did write that line down verbatim where he says that man gets whatever he wants. It felt like to me like it was a very targeted statement, but I could also see it being like a. You know, he could say Batman gets whatever he wants too, or something like. I don't know. So we'll see. That's interesting. I thought he said gentleman, which is why I thought it was kind of it was very formal. I thought it was. Yeah, very, he I said that was, that gentleman gets whatever. I thought he it wants. was very recited and very just like. Again, like it reminds me of a casino. It reminds yeah. me of the way that they would treat like a high roller or a casino, just like like the way they look at the security cameras and just be like, oh, that gentleman can do whatever they want. Yeah, it's Maybe. interesting. I want to go back and watch that scene now. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, we go back to the man in black, and I, I just want to say that the locale that he's in reminded me. This is where I was like, "Oh man, this is totally Red Dead Redemption," because yeah. it feels like they crossed the border to go down into yes. Mexico. It feels basically, like the first little Mexican town <laughs> village you would run across. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So the man in black kills a bunch of uh, Donald's family, like different cousins and things that have come to defend him. Oh, it's John Wick shit. It's man. yeah, it's, it's crazy. He, like, just, he doesn't just shoot him. It's he like, dismantles it's that tactical. group of people. Yeah. And then he sh- he shoots the one kid through the wall. Yeah, which is cool because he's an old man, and I'm I watched him. He's very visibly old. We've been used to watching Ed Harris in action movies for like twenty years, yeah, or more, and he's so weathered in this show. His face yeah. is so 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 craggy, mm-hmm. and I just watching him watching him shoot is one thing, but then watching him, he's very he's very physical in that scene, and I thought that was really funny. And I was like, well. It's impressive, but on the other hand, they can't really fight back, can they? But at one point, one of them does grab him and like run him into the wall, and I, yeah. that really struck me. I was like, "Oh wow, that seems like more than they are allowed to do," which I thought was interesting. And you know, the, again, it's the further you get away from civilization, the the rougher it gets. Yeah, which I thought was really neat. But yeah, the the shooting the kid through a wall was really either he's done that, and that's where that guy <laughs> runs and hides <laughs> yeah. every time. Because I've done that in video games where I've been like, I know where those bad guys come from, and I'm ready. Yep. So uh, that was funny. I, I was like, yeah, he's, he's he knows what's going on. Yeah. Um, and then after the bloodbath, uh, the man in black ends up killing Donald's wife in front of his eyes. And he says, it means you're uh, you're suffering. And that's what's most real. Yeah. He's he's got this great bit where he's talking about uh, the way that they're all made. And he talks about emotions and he talks about. He likes the broad emotions, the the base, the basic emotions, the best of all the of all the emotions that they have programmed into them. And he says it's when you're suffering that's when you're most real. Yeah, he talks about those very, very, very core 
basic emotions that we all have mm-hmm. when you distill everyone down to their core. And he's like, that's, that would be the easiest thing to program in a, in a, in a way. Yeah. It's the thing that you'll know everyone Everybody has. feels yeah. it, yeah. No, it's great. Except for sociopaths, I great. guess. Except for Ed Harris, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then as uh, just after he says that, uh, Donald's daughter kind of pops up and spouts a line saying, the maze isn't meant for you. And uh, but she tells him, follow the blood arroyo to the place where the snake lays its eggs. That's kind of the next clue in the game. And uh, Lawrence is just kind of like, you got what you came for. Why don't you go back? And the man in black says, you don't understand, Lawrence. This time I'm never going back. So to to me and I know you said earlier, uh, I think off air that you didn't really want to focus on what the game is, what it means in the end. My quick one-off guess or something like that is that maybe it's a contest of like free lifetime admission to Westworld or something <laughs> with that kind of line it's got to be deeper than that or something I, I don't know it doesn't matter much to me as you were saying earlier well but. no it's not that I don't want to I do, that is correct I don't want to focus on yeah. it. I don't think it's the main thrust of the show no. and if it is it shouldn't be yeah it's a little too early to determine I guess what the main to me it's a plot line it's something going that, on the show. It's I feel like that big. has to come to the end, come yeah, oh to yeah. an end, and I don't feel like that's something they can stretch out for several seasons. No, it's it's gnawing at me. Like I do want to know, but there's a lot of other things in the show I want to know equally. Okay. So I do think a lot of because this is the kind of itch that's really difficult to scratch. This is the thing that a lot of online articles and and websites and and blogs etc. are focusing on is what is the game. Of, so to speak about yeah. and all these other details because I know it's it's one of the most alluring mysteries because it's so faceless we don't really know yeah we don't even know what the mystery is mm-hmm. we can't put we can't even put words. is it actually like my question is like is it actually a game or is it just Ed Harris like being like there's got to be more to this attraction <laughs> <laughs> he's the fact that you use the word attraction <laughs> is really good it's like a guy riding like Splash Mountain repeatedly, but there's got to be more to Splash Mountain. Where's the secret door? <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not convinced that this game that he's playing is actually something that they intend. Oh, I think it is. I mean, he cut, he pulled the dude's scalp off, and there was a map underneath it. That's like, true. There's, yeah. there's something going on. Definitely, how he found out about it. Or how he even knew where to start is definitely something we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. But I think there is undoubtedly something going on, some sort of Easter egg hunt. Yeah. That. Yeah. Because it in it is a game, kind of. I mean, like we've. It's no accident that we've been making all these parallels to video games with. Yeah. It, and we're not the only ones. That's Lots true. Of people are. Yeah. It's definitely. It's definitely a lot like a video game. Yeah. There's there's no more. So there might be that big. But there's some, there's, beat it or something. yeah, there's some, there's some sort of prize. I think he thinks at the end. But the the, the this, this idea of the maze is very interesting. Like what what is it? Where is it? I guess maybe when I said earlier that he, I think that the elevator was what he was trying to reach. I don't think it's necessarily that elevator, but I think he's trying to find a way to reach sort of the command yeah. structure. And I don't know. I don't know why, I guess, but I think I think partially, and this is probably just the worst reasoning. I think part <laughs> of the reason I think that is because we got those those moments of the gunslinger in the film in the command center, and it was such a disruption of the natural order of things. And we do kind of get that in this episode in a little bit. But I think something about seeing that man in all black roaming those command center halls is something that has to happen again because it's so striking and so... Oh, yeah scary that cowboy running through the futuristic hallway yeah kinda. yeah it's 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 very i don't want to say iconic because westworld's not some grand slam cultural phenomenon but it kind but of it's, is it, well it's very visually striking yes and and uh and just those dead echo footfalls of those boots going through the hallway there's it's, and it's all it's very cinematic right like it's a it's a yeah so just because that's in the film is probably a terrible reason <laughs> for me to think it has to happen in the show but it kind of feels like that's where ed harris wants to get either because he wants to know ultimately how it works how it happened like lance <laughs> famously said to me <laughs> how, how does it happen it's like one of my favorite lance lance lines ever uh we'll have to get lance on the show at some point absolutely so. But I, th- I think that's kind of his goal is to, to figure out. I feel like he's got to have a conversation with Ford or something at some point. I mean, yeah. it seems like he wants to get to the, to the heart of, of why, why it ticks. It's almost like he's trying to get the, the meaning of life. 
Yeah. And wants to talk to the guy who created life and see if that'll get him a step closer. I hmm. don't know. Interesting. We'll but that's a great Well, and there's thing. also suggestions uh, on the internet that the... So there's an alternate reality game going on with the show. I haven't delved into it too much, but I've caught glimpses of it. You can go to like... Um, there's a Westworld website uh, where you can go and explore maps and read the terms of service for the park and get details on like how much it costs to attend and all kinds of stuff like that. All kinds of good morsels that I want to delve into, but I also want to leave for our audience members to go and, and check out more if they don't want to know all that stuff as of yet. But um, there's kind of this... God, where was I going with this? The idea there there's there's like a survey or a questionnaire or something in one of these that has a question along the lines of you die in a car crash but you can have a, 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 a an android created with your likeness and everything that you are is this still you is the question in it or something along those lines so maybe even in the end the prize is that you get eternal life by becoming a host or something like that but I, we haven't connected enough dots to get there yet. That's true. That uh, I'm not going back could mean more than just I'm not going back to the real world. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's, oh, man, that's cool. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. I want to dig deeper into it, too. So. All right. We get back to Ford with the younger boy showing off his ability to control a snake. And uh, he says, everything in those, this world is magic except the magician. Except to the magician. Let me th- yeah, just the slaughter some lines magic. here. Yeah, the little boy is like, wow, that must... Y- how are you doing this? It's magic. And then he says, everything in this world is magic except to the magician. I always make this joke with tons of movies and stuff, but I really hope that that just happened on set and Anthony Hopkins just did that and then they had to write the episode around it. <laughs> he was like, look what I can do. And then just snake like charmer controlled Anthony. a rattlesnake and they were like, oh shit, start filming. <laughs> Glad the camera's rolling. Um, oh, that's that was a great scene. Yeah. I like... He had some great lines, but just before that, too, as they were walking, I remember that it was a great exchange. Yeah, I kind of pared down the conversations. Quite that was definitely the line that really was kind of the Sticks, exclamation point at yeah. the end of the of the end of the scene. It was really cool. But seeing the rattlesnake, and and again, it remind I instantly thought of uh, the movie again when he when uh, James Brolin actually gets bit by the snake. Yeah, and that's their first sign that something's like really wrong. You're like, whoa, a, a guest this, got, that's not supposed to happen. A guest was injured by by a snake that's not supposed to happen what's going on and that's kind of what makes them delve deeper so when i saw the snake coming i was like oh no <laughs> what's gonna happen but that was <laughs> we just keep getting these head fakes that anthony hopkins is gonna die i know yeah i'm expecting you to die he's like crispin glover in hot tub time machine that's exactly where i was headed <laughs> how does his oh, arm get lost <laughs> no i know and like it's 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 classic anthony hopkins when he's playing these like kindly characters we're like no when are we gonna lose him we know yep. he's gonna die yep no, it's uh, it was a great scene. Yeah. I really want to know more about that boy. Is it? Does he dismiss him at the end of that scene? Yes. I think when he tells him to yeah. go back to his family. He dismisses him and then he sees this. Uh, I don't know if you know what it was. It almost looks like a burnt church spire or potentially like an oil well or both. Or I don't know what it is. <laughs> Do you? Did you get any ideas remind, as to what that was? It's definitely religious in some way. There's, that, I mean, there's, there's a cross, cross at the top. top of it, yeah. yeah. Either he's... He say, he tell he says later in the episode that it it ties into something he's been working on for a long time, and I think he yeah. says something. Does he say something personal? Something like that. Mm. It reminds me of, and this is so random, but it's the only thing I can compare it to, and I'm not even sure if anybody listening will understand this reference. But in the Mad Max video game that came out this year, uh, there is two years ago. Was it two years ago? Yeah, uh, last year at least. Was it really? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Okay, so it came out last year, 2015. Did it really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> There's a that game is very open world for the most part. You can kind of drive around and and go roughly wherever you want to. Not that there's always something to find, and a lot of times there aren't. But when you are in the middle of the straight up, almost in the middle of the desert at this one point, you come across it looks almost exactly like that, and it's kind of a well with like it, it's almost. It's almost as if there was a whole church, like a like an old timey kind of like the church and preacher with like a steeple. Yeah. That just got engulfed in sand. Yeah. And all that's open is the top, but you can go into it. 
and it leads down into the church and then there's this whole like giant series of like catacombs underneath it that you can explore and there's like enemies down there there's not a lot to find but it's really 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 cool yeah and i remember it really struck me when i when i found it because it uh, it, it it just seemed to come up out of nowhere like i just i was like man if i had been driving you know a quarter mile in any other direction I would have driven right past it and not noticed yeah. it but I found it and I had this really cool interaction with it and I would have thought and that you do get something there it's I think it's kind of part of the story but I think it's like optional it's like a side okay type quest because you get something at the end and once you're down in there you have to go back the way you came and there's a bunch of guys waiting for you that okay. followed you down there. yeah so there, there are story Classic elements Indiana Jones yeah exactly there are story elements to it, but it felt like something that I found that I didn't necessarily need to find, which is really funny because later in this episode, Ford has almost that exact sentence yeah. to Sizemore. And he says it's it's when people find things that they will think that nobody else found before that gets them addicted. Yep. And it's, it is those little moments that you find in games like that where you... You find you stumble across some special moment, and it's it feels fleeting, and it, or it feels important, and that you could have missed it, but you didn't. And it's those little things that really stand out in your memory, and that's exactly what that church reminded me of. Yeah. So that reference, there may be nobody who knows what I'm talking about, but I'm sure, like if, if David's listening or some of the other standbys that have pl- probably played that game, you might know. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, we'll come back to that more. Maybe that's the entrance to the maze. Who knows? Yeah, could be. Um, we actually didn't even really talk about what, how weird that was. That little girl said that there's something in her that was like programmed to say, yeah. that. or is it something that was, is programmed in all of them? You know what I mean? Like if pushed hard enough, I, I, I guess that's not true because he, he goes back to that village for a reason. She's kind of the next. Yeah. Chain. It's like the bread. Like, I guess the way that the breadcrumbs have worked, we don't really, the trails cold up to kissy. Like we don't know what came before kissy, I guess. Right. Yeah. Right. But killing Kissy and getting his scalp gave him that map, and Kissy gave some piece of information to lead him to Lawrence or Donald. Give the man in black some information to get to Lawrence or Donald, right? And he and knew somehow where to go with Lawrence to take him back to the town. Lawrence, if Lawrence was like the catalyst that would get that reaction out of the little girl. Yeah. And then Lawrence apparently knew about it because he also says, you got what you came for. Oh, why didn't he spill his guts earlier? You know? Well, I think he just says, you got what you... like. It, you got what you needed. I don't necessarily know that he knew about it. Just that she divulges the information and gives him the next crumb. And, and then it's just interesting like, that Lawrence has no reaction to her saying that. Yeah. Other than just, you got, you well, it could be like we were talking last week where it is just programming his programming. Yeah. He, he's not supposed to know this thing, but it also bounces off of him because he can't compute it. Right. You know? right, 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 right. Who knows? But interesting. no, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see more. It it seems weird to hide that clue in her and what are the conditions that he needs. Did he just have to survive that fight in order to make it happen? But no, then he had to kill the wife. I don't know. He's like... <laughs> he's like Gojo. He's like pushing the game. To it. He's trying to break <laughs> He's the breaking game. the game. Yeah, exactly. He's trying to find, <laughs> find the corners and find the walls and be like, okay, I can't push this any further. It's really funny. Because a lot of the... Uh, everyone there seems to be to be there because it is so immersive and like a lot of people are there like he like the man in black even says in the first episode to get their rocks off yeah just to have fun and have escapism but he seems to want to push it to its limits and break it and figure out how how to finish it yeah how to get to the end and so he seems almost kind of pleased when they're not when they fail to seem human, because like you're yeah, saying, when, when they're at, when he's getting to the edge of their program, to the root, yeah, exactly, and they literally can't do anything more, and he's like, okay, I've maxed you out, and I, <laughs> I need to go. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, enough about that. All right. Uh, then we get Colin showing up at Bernard's apartment, and we learn that they've got some kind of sexual relationship going on. Mm-hmm. Um, afterwards. Bernard asks her to stick around, and she, they usually apparently don't talk very much, but he wants to talk. And she asks him why the hosts talk to each other when there are no guests around. And he explains that they're practicing, they're error correcting, and learning how to get better at conversation through interacting with each other, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, then she kind of insinuates to him, like, oh, is our talking now you practicing? Which... Lines up with another internet theory that Bernard is actually a host. Right. But who knows? A host making other hosts. Yeah. Uh, But then we cut to Elsie in programming, taking another 
nuanced approach, a more nuanced approach than the narrative people did to making Maeve more successful again, since she was flagged for decommission. She ends up taking a look at everything and seeing that her aggression was raised, but she was like, no, these idiots needed to just make her a little more sensitive or, or aware she needs to perceive. She ups her perception values in order to be able to crack the, the uh, repressed people that are walking through the door. And uh, she also notices that she's got some kind of pain in her abdomen and marks her for a physical. Um, and she also explains that the hosts do not dream, but they do know about nightmares, which is kind of a cover in case they're accidentally woken while in the Westworld lab or that kind of thing. Uh, but then we see Maeve back in action, action and she seals the deal with and at the brothel bar. She ends up chatting with Teddy about sins and kind of makes it... Th- did, I don't, did you pay attention to that conversation? Because to me, she talks about his work. And we haven't gotten an idea of what he actually does. Because she, she says that her job and his job... She thinks her job is... is even though it's deplorable in some kind of form, it's better because they leave the men breathing at the end of the day. So it seems like Teddy's some kind of murderer, enforcer, lawman. I think he might just be like a, just a gunfighter. Hired, hired hand kind yeah. of thing. Okay, the mercenary. I think she just, and again, she may not know him. I think it might just be a judgment call. Yeah, that's that he true. He just has a, has a revolver strapped to his hip, so. Yeah. Um. So, but then... <laughs> Teddy goes to make a make a toast, and uh, he ends up getting brutally murdered once again yep. by a guest uh, who says, "Now that's a fucking vacation." Once again, I think it's it's interesting that we've gotten two moments like that now. First, the guy killing Hector in the in the first episode, and now this one of just when I watch these scenes, they just make me angry and disgusted at the idea that this is what the humans are partaking in in this in this story but uh obviously that's kind of the point of it all is that oh this is fun for everybody but i don't know why you'd want to murder people on your vacation that's right doesn't sound good to me um and then Maeve ends up going to sleep but she has nightmares uh once again potentially a former narrative that she worked on uh or that that she used to be it's her daughter and her kind of getting attacked by natives but then they end up being saved by the man in black. Um, so that must be some kind of memory from the past that we don't quite know much about yet. But it links Maeve and the man in black. So maybe we'll see them hook up at some point soon. Or maybe not. I don't know. And then we cut to Maeve waking or in medical. Uh, the doctors say that she's been infected with MRSA in her abdomen. But she ends up waking up in the middle of the operation and stumbles naked into the body shop, kind of seeing all the other livestock being repaired and hosed down, a lot like a concentration camp kind of situation. Uh, Teddy's there dead as well. But the medical people run in and inject her with something that kind of sedates her, and then they carry her back. And uh, then we see Dolores standing in a field at night, and she asks here, and then digs in the dirt to find a gun. Uh, people on the interwebs are assuming that this is a real gun that yeah. can harm uh, humans. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, big implications there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and then let's see here. The final little thrust of story here. Sizemore announces his new narrative called Odyssey on the Red River. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very flowery it's speech a very that colorful, he gives. Yeah. yeah. And, and he's like, oh, they get to discover the most about the their most interesting character themselves, which just made me kind of throw up a little bit inside. <laughs> and uh, oh yeah, the whole thing was like a pamphlet. Yep, yep. And but that's probably exactly what he needs to do for shareholders and the people that would approve that narrative or like a DLC summation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the elevator pitch, basically. Yes. Of yeah. So then Ford basically just like n- no, he's like I don't care for cheap thrills and surprises and the quote that he he says it's not about giving the guests what you think they want it's not that simple which is the steve jobs kind of line that you were talking about he says the guests don't return for obvious things we do the garish things they come back because of the subtleties and the details and then as he's giving that monologue where you said he he remarks about how people find things that they don't think other people have found 
we see William noticing and discovering Dolores in town where she drops the can. And uh, he kind of notes and, and hands the can back to her. And then uh, it kind of cuts to Ford showing Bernard that uh, blackened steeple. So what does that mean? Who knows yet? It seems it, we know that Ford is now working on some kind of narrative to because he knows that the that the board is looking for a new narrative. So Ford has been working on something that he's apparently about to show Bernard or maybe fill Bernard in on at some point in the future or something of that sort. So that's the end of the episode. Um, any other thoughts on, you know, discussion wise? Or do you just want to go over how you felt about the episode overall? I think uh, at least from that that chunk, I think that I really I wanted to at least mention that Maeve, Maeve's whole waking up experience was horrifying absolutely it was so creepy yeah and very 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 well done it was mm-hmm. very unnerving and i the whole while i was watching it i was almost laughing thinking like she's synthetic and yet i'm just like feel terrified for her yeah like if this who who's to say this this can't happen to us you know what i mean mm-hmm. like this is going to be to me this is the dominant theme really about this show is how how thin is the line between the host's world and ours? Yeah. Their experience and our experience. And as I was watching it, I just, I'm sure, you know, undoubtedly this was the point of the scene, but I I was just really struck by how effective it was. Absolutely. It was, it was ridiculously disorienting. And I was like, she's in our world. And yet like at their, at their office, these guys punch the clock and they go and do this. Yeah. And it was just like a nightmare nightmare land and it was so good it was just such a great scene absolutely fanny newton is so awesome yeah she's really good in this she did a fantastic job i i liked uh i did like her flashback also i really am curious to know which storyline this was and and how her dialogue might tie into it in regards to like this is the new world type of thing Ah, uh, yeah i feel like those actually are lines that she had said previously and now they're just being retooled into because Sizemore is he he thinks he's so clever and he's so like into himself and his genius that I could totally see him be like I'm retrofitting pieces Cutting of her corners past story just to yeah. make his job easier, but yeah. also be like, oh look how much of a genius, look how I'm. clever that was. Yeah, that's. Possible. I really want to know more about her her story there and yeah. how the Man in Black ties into it, or if see it is it is tricky because like you were saying they're they're programmed to think that those are just nightmares. Yeah. But the man in black is like, he's, I guess we just have to know, we have to learn eventually how recently Maeve was rotated into her current role as like the kind of head madam of the. Yeah. Well, we know that the man in black's been coming to the park for the last 30 years. So it could have been like at any point. And then now, you know, he looks the same though. Yeah. He he does look notably older. It's not like they aged him down or anything. He looks recent. So So I am curious. Yeah. Yeah. Or if maybe that whole experience she's having is not a memory but maybe it is a nightmare and it's a combination of other things maybe she's run across him in the past because he doesn't seem like he saves her he's coming to hurt her he he kind of comes at her with that knife in a pretty menacing way like he's checking under her head for well he saves her from the natives but then yeah he's very purposefully coming to her to yeah it's pretty creepy yeah that Harris Mm -hmm. great Mm -hmm. great stuff yeah all in all Another fantastic episode. I do, I do agree. I, or I think, and I think there's something going along, going on chronologically here. But I think I still think that Dolores stuff is happening in weirdly out day. of turn. Oh yeah, yeah or of, in some kind of yeah, yeah. I'm not sure exactly what the story is there, but it's either happening beyond something we've seen already, or it happened in the past. Or I could be wrong. It could literally be happening overnight. Well, as I, Ashley noted, she's the oldest. Yes. So she's the first, right? She's the first. Maybe not yeah. the first, but the oldest. It's still in rotation. I think she's the first. I think so. Wow. Because he's saying like, and he remarks that she's been repaired so many times that she's practically new, which is another thing. That's another kind of thought expression. A lot like the the uh, the question that I was talking about, where if you die, if you died in a car crash and we created something right. with everything that was you, the idea of if you have a boat and you replace every part on the boat is it still the same boat it's kind of an interesting like that is good actually it uh it touches on another nolan 
body of work or another Nolan piece of work. But I will say nothing further because I don't want to spoil anything else mm. that's not this show. Okay. That is interesting, though. Hmm. I want to see more old Bill. That's all I know. <laughs> Get old Bill out of the... Uh... Oh, man. Dust off old Bill. <laughs> Get him out there. That that's who she's getting the real gun for is old Bill. She's she's got to get the the gun down. Got to old get Bill. the gun to old Bill so he can make his stand in the hallway. Ed Harris is trying to find his friend old Bill, <laughs> the ultimate badass <laughs> in this in this world, so he can have one last gunfight with him with a real gun. <laughs> that's how he wants to be put down is by old Bill. Beautiful. No, that I guess it it that scene with Dolores digging up the old gun, if it is for what we think it is. Or, or that it is a real gun, uh, that can't be in the past. Because I think if, if a guest had been murdered by a host, then we would have heard about See, it. See, this is where giant. I was almost kind of crazily connecting dots is that, like, this is this is total wild speculation, total BS, but maybe I was thinking, like, all right, because I've, I've read, read somewhere, I cannot remember the exact thing, but somebody insinuates that there's been an incident in the park at some point in the past, potentially 30 years ago. And it's been covered up. Uh, it's been covered up or something like that. So my idea was that maybe when the man in black actually showed up for the first time, he was here with like his wife or something. And something happened where there was a malfunction and she died at the hands of the attractions. Hmm. And maybe his need to to figure out and to, to get into the command center is to exact revenge and that he can maybe start using these hosts like uh, Maeve and Dolores to uh, fight back at the people who wronged him. But like I said, this is wild speculation. Who knows? I, I it's founded on two seconds of footage in the entire thing. So I don't know. The man, yeah, I don't know. The man in black feels more nefarious than that to me. Yeah. Yeah. But but that sympathetic turn to him could add depth to it of the like if he's lost somebody at the I It don't could. Know. I'm not sure I want to see a Doc Ock with him. I kinda <laughs> like I kinda like him the way you he is. You just want him the full heel. The the OG gunslinger from the film is just an unrelenting yeah. force mm-hmm. of antagonism and that's what he is in this series just our heroes are the are the hosts yeah and i kind of like that he's kind of like the joker where i don't really know his past and i'm kind of cool with that yeah he's just gonna be this like tidal wave just sweeping through westworld yeah well i don't know i can't wait to see more if you fans have any crazy theories or you want to talk about things that we missed you can please write to us at westworldfm at gmail.com let us know what you think of our show share your thoughts on hbo's westworld so we can read them on air. You can send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. Once again, you can find more of our episodes on westworld.fm. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, TuneIn Radio, all kinds of platforms. Please search for us there and subscribe, rate, and review. Because the more you rate and review us on iTunes or any of those platforms, the more visible we'll be and the more successful our show will be so we can give even more content to you. And uh, yeah. The Midwest Podcast Network also has a video game podcast called the Midwest Game Nerds Podcast. You can check that out at MidwestGameNerds.com. We also are going to be starting a new podcast called Horror Movie Yearbook, which will be available at HorrorMovieYearbook.com. So check that out as well. That's it for our episode this week. We're excited for the next episode, and we'll have another episode of our podcast out after that. But until then, may you rest and have a deep and dreamless slumber. <laughs>